Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Welcome back. Thanks for rolling with us on Outkick 360. Live from uh, 6th and Peabody. Drink great beer here. Yeehaw. Drink great moonshine here. Old Smoky. It's a whole big wall of it out there. Shines. The light shines through it beautifully. All lovely colors. It's a dreamscape. And when you drink a whole bunch of it, it's really a dreamscape. I'm in Nashville. Hutton and Withrow are in Atlanta. And boys, we have not played this game in a long time. Defend your boy. Or in this case, defend your boy. So I'm going to ask Jonathan Hutton to defend his boys, Oklahoma City, for getting beat by 78 points, a record, by uh, Chad's boys, the Memphis Grizzlies. Was it 78? 78 points. The previous record was 68 points, 30-year-old record. Cleveland beat Miami well, by 68. And this is without Morant last night. I thought, yeah, I mean, I thought it was, I was about to say, I thought it was 73, but does it really matter, the extra five points? Oh, it might be 73. Um, I'm sorry. And they led by 78. They led by 78. Yeah, I mean, it point. doesn't matter either way. I mean, losing by 73 points. Um, it, look, here, here, this is the the top of the the argument for why the NBA sucks, but I'm, I'm pulling up FanDuel right now, and here's the main problem with the NBA compared to Major League Baseball. I won't even – the NFL as well, but the NFL is full of parity. Major League Baseball or any of these pro leagues, hockey, practically every hockey game is plus or minus one and a half goals. If you go to NBA and look at the money line spreads, it is impossible to bet underdogs in the NBA like I would pick Pittsburgh over Baltimore in in, in the NFL this weekend, which I'm doing. Uh, the money lines, Brooklyn tonight, minus 320 on the money line to win that game. Um, the Dallas Mavericks against the New Orleans Pelicans. Dallas Mavericks, minus 260 on the money line. Utah is minus 330 against Boston on the money line. Golden State, minus 300 against Phoenix. I mean, I can continue on and on. These results... I mean, I, I make fun of the guy named Jonathan Stone who used to go by a different name and then he sucked at gambling, so he he changed his name and you could bet the spread as if it had already been played. These results are done. I could do a parlay tonight of all of the mega favorites in the NBA and be a winner. I'd win about three bucks, but I'd be a winner because the NBA sucks. They're, the, the underdog loses. It's just a question of whether or not they're going to cover the spread. Don't these good the teams game. ever play each other? Yeah, the good team. I mean, there, there are some decent money line spreads like uh, Washington against Cleveland tonight. Washington's minus 146. But half the league is predetermined before they even tip off. Half the league already knows that they're winning the game based on what Vegas is telling us. It would be a massive upset um, that if you bet a money line and you actually win uh, in, a, in a parlay, for instance. It's, it's almost impossible to do based on how uh, lopsided this league is right now. Chad, listen to some of these details. 12 guys for the Grizz were in double figures. 
They shot 62.5%. OKC shot 33%. The bench scored 93 points. Nobody played more than 21 minutes. And they led by 78, the biggest lead in a game since 1996-97. I can't recall a time in my life that I've been less engaged or interested in the NBA. I know we all go through these you know, cycles of just being out on a sport or a league that you were once in on. Paul, that, that time period lasted a lot longer for you. I got I'm back st- still into in the it. NBA a bit with the, the Warriors' early runs. And now I look at that, and while a lot of people are going to sit there and say, yay, great job, Grizz. What a night for the Grizz making history. My immediate response is, boo, NBA, that this could happen. Well, that, that you could have an outcome like this. It speaks to the competitive nature of the league, certainly of the Oklahoma City Thunder in this game. But it's atrocious There have that been this, this happened. There were closer performances against the the uh, Harlem Globetrotters in their world tour. <laughs> yeah, the Washington Generals you know, played last night. Yeah, the Washington Generals would have covered the spread of 73. Just crazy. It's, it's not a it, – I don't see that and think, man, they're scoring a ton of points. This must be a fun product to watch the NBA. I, I see it and think just looking at the score, man, this league sucks. And that's probably the truth right now. It's, gonna, it's not a I'm good I'm going to find out. Um, player salaries for Oklahoma City and find out how many, how much money those dudes made just based on last night. Hey, Paul, while he's doing that, will you pronounce not yeehaw, but the other part of this, the moonshine part of where you are right now? Old Smokey. Old Smokey. Okay. There is this thing that I always hear, and maybe it's just in my ear. Anyone from the North, I always hear it as Old Smokey or Old Miss with a D on the end. And I think some people just say it that way. And I, I, it got me thinking, is it easier? We're going back to the Brian Kelly argument of Southern accents. Is it easier for Southern people to, fake to be okay with the concept of O-L-E as old, old Olay. smoky, oldness, <laughs> and not ole because everyone else in America sees it as O-L-D when they hear it. And you hear it back as old smoky. I do not like right? the word. Not old I don't like the word. Old Miss. I've heard people actually say Old Miss because they don't know the spelling of it. But maybe that's just my ear. But I kept hearing you say Old Smoky, and I'm thinking it's Old Smoky. Oh. Is this a Southern Northern thing? I, uh, here's my thing. I'll probably get myself in trouble. If you're going to claim to be go. so old, try being one of the first th- 13 s- states. You know, Try being uh, one of the original colonies. Then you could claim some oldness. Well, I mean, there's a lot of, uh, you know, th- there's a lot of things up north that are that do claim to be old, and they are old. Yeah, but nobody I mean, calls them old. Relative, right? Nobody calls them old. Yeah, they, they don't. They don't chop off the D and replace it with an E. Right. Well, based so, on that, Paul, uh, none of the thirteen colonies should be considered old based on the history of Earth. So I'm talking about history of our let's country. Stop acting like the North is old compared to the globe. No, North is old compared to the South. Well, let's compare it. Well, let's compare it to you know Europe. Let's let's walk those streets. Well, I agree. I, listen, you, you I've told I've told the too. story. When I flew back from Europe, my first time I went to Europe on a backpacking trip coming out of college, there were some Europeans and some Japanese people on our flight back from London, and they were looking out the window in New York like marveling. And my friend and I, just having walked all these streets like you did in Italy and in France with this amazing old stuff, and they're looking out the window marveling, and we're like, 
what are they excited about? Like the Empire State Building? We just saw like Da Vinci and, yeah. and ancient, ancient stuff. And they're marveling at like a skyscraper? Like this does not compare flying both directions. It's not at all the same experience. Not one bit. You know what else isn't the same experience? These jerseys that the Nash, oh. your Nashville Predators oh, have put out. Gosh. This is an eyesore, an absolute eyesore. John look, Henry's your boy, not this. mine. Look at this. <laughs> what is this? I'm blinded. My eyes hurt. Now, after the initial reaction was general horror around Nashville and the state of Tennessee, they then tried to put this on Adidas and Adidas came out and said, this is to echo letterpress printing, which is them saying it's supposed to be a hat show print. Well, let me show you something this does not look like. This does not look anything like any of these, which hang in my office. Fellas, does that jersey feel like any of these? That looks like something that fell off a Walmart truck is what it looks like. Uh, it looks like something that FUBU created in 1992. <laughs> it, it is awful. David Reed, David if, we, Reed. if we are going to, if you're going to be the Nashville Predators and you're going to do damn backflips over someone else saying you're the greatest franchise in pro sports and hang banners for everything, let's also acknowledge the failures that are out there. This jersey is an absolute failure. I understand that fashion is subjective, but there are things in life, even when it's art or fashion, that is objective. This is objectively terrible. We once, this is an objectively terrible look for the Nashville Predators. We once led a this, campaign. Whoever made this decision needs to go look in the mirror for a long time and figure out why. I understand that the NHL is much bigger than minor league baseball, but we once led a charge that at least in part led to the Nashville Sounds, a baseball minor league baseball team in town, to move away from vomit-colored jerseys. They went tan. No team in professional sports has ever gone tan and been excited about it they realized the mistake and they backed off it's probably too late for these guys to back off this is not a primary logo what this no. is is a marketing slogan yes and they've put a marketing slogan uh, like a hashtag on the front of their jersey um, this would be like the titans putting titan up on the front of their uniform this uh, when they return from their yeah, bye titan tough yeah J it David Reed looks, looks terrible. David Reed no is our it, that's what'll go. Away. David Reed is our resident predators, no president uh, predators person, uh, and his reaction is this. So I'm pretty sure, like this is what you would see if someone selling at a flea market, and that's nothing against flea markets. I love flea markets. One of my favorite T-shirts of all times, uh, Bone Thugs in Harmony, was a copyright infringed T-shirt from a flea market. <laughs> I wore that thing for years, but this looks like something that you would find. This is not even Walmart worthy or Kmart worthy. This is Fred's worthy. This is something that you would find at the the knockoff knockoff department store somewhere and but the, now that you say it, it's supposed to look like a hat show print it looks like a hat show print to me and also some of that was just paul trying to show off his hat show prints that all the expensive concerts that he's gone to and doesn't over, look overpaid for posters it doesn't look like a hat show print yes it does well, the me. the fonts looks like something on a hat show print a part of the hat show print is that the printing is faded like in spots and doesn't doesn't stand out yeah, but you, they, okay, is, but this is also so you can like see trash, this in a football like. stadium too. That that's part of the process. If you faded it like that, you wouldn't be able to see it in the middle. Well, of then a football. don't do a hatchel print. <laughs> which well, that what, is. what's funny is they're touting they're they're touting these things as a organization, and then they're also 
uh, pointing at Adidas, acting like Adidas forced them to do it. Yeah, it's recycled we, we plastic, huh? It's recycled we know, plastic. We know better than that. We, we know exactly who made this decision. Listen, Let's get also, this is yet another terrible decision. And also, they want to put something on the market that's conveniently timed, right? The stadium series game and all of that. It's mm-hmm. going to be a popular Christmas present. We're here. You guys said it. No, We're not. here. We're here to tell you. Go buy the one that they wore at the Cotton Bowl, which is an attractive sweater. Buy that for Christmas if you have to buy Pred's this product. Don't this buy this. Be, this is not, no matter what they tell you, this is not going to be a popular Christmas there item. Are 14, people are not going to buy this. Who do whatever they say. But, Paul, no, no they that's don't. not true. No, you know why I know that's not true? That's not true. Because people stopped showing up to games when they had a vaccination requirement. Well, and if I'm you want to speak to the Preds, yep. and you want to speak to Sean Henry, and you want to get him to change, then speak with your wallet. I agree. And don't buy that. Don't and they'll buy. take that atrocity to uniforms away, just like the public spoke to Sean Henry, and miraculously, COVID disappeared. And the vaccination requirement left after a month because people stopped going to events when he did that. That is how you speak to that franchise. When they had a problem with that, they spoke that way. And he bowed down and took it away and hid behind something else. And now they're going to release this awful uniform and people aren't going to buy it. And it's going to go away miraculously. And by the way, this will be a miracle. Unlike COVID not actually going away the way they claim. This will be the Christmas miracle is when that thing is no longer around because no one is buying it. I hope you're right, but and I get what you're saying, but it's not apples to apples. And there is a segment of every fan base that loves whatever the team puts out, no matter what. Don't be that guy. Don't be that guy. Yeah, the reaction's pretty damn bad. Well, the the segment of the fan base that that likes it is, is wearing a mask to games, typically. I'm not talking about a COVID. I'm talking about an actual wrestling mask. Correct. It's someone right. that's a cartoon uh, that you know claims to be paid by the team to be a cheerleader. Those are the people who are going to go on social media and love it. I'm surprised because they've done a pretty good job. That the one they wore at the Cotton Bowl was great. It was and great. A lot of their other stuff, the the designs and stuff, have been you know their secondary design. If you go in their pro shop, they've got cool stuff. Yeah. This is a put, massive put the, fail. Put that uniform, that sweater up again one more time. And it, this is how I would explain this. Let's go back to the north-south argument from earlier about old and old. This jersey looks like something that someone living in Opelika, Alabama, that claims to be a Michigan fan, would wear <laughs> as a Michigan jersey. It looks like the cheap Walmart knockoff version of something that someone, that a southern fan Southerner born and bred that claims to be a Michigan Wolverines fan would wear to school in 1995. That's what that jersey looks like. And it's a Nashville Predators alternate jersey. All right. Well, we have had the final word on that, and nobody is entitled (laughs) to anything different. You guys go on break again. I'll see you before we wrap up. Coming up, VolQuest. We're going to talk to the fellas about Elante Taylor, about Josh Heupel in Oklahoma which doesn't seem to have any steam, but we'll make sure. Bowl game options and more with the Volquest gang. You're listening to and or watching OutKick 360 on the OutKick Network. We are back. OutKick 360. Ready to be joined for... A good segment here with 
VolQuest guys, Austin Price, also known as Austin Priceless, self-named, I believe, Brent Hobbs. And I'd like to begin with Austin asking me about my jacket. Austin, please ask me about my jacket. Paul, tell me about that jacket you're wearing. I, I, I do like it. <laughs> I, I don't think we're able to zoom in on this logo, are we? I don't have cameramen that can zoom in. This, this is a logo of a little school on a hill in New York called Columbia. And the jacket's made by uh, Peter Millar. Bought well, it, bought only it, the best for with, Columbia. Bought it with you in mind, thinking about you know, we, how we, it's we so much. We Jesse Simonton and his lovely wife up to Columbia. And now you're wearing the, uh, the attire. I, th- I, I bought it thinking how it dominates all your Peter Millar clothing. And now I'm it really the, doesn't I'm, dominate. I'm the king of the Peter Millar amongst all of us. It's, it, it's I, can t- I can pick my Look computer and take you in there, Paul, and show you my Peter Millar. Uh, it, it's a world. It's, okay. Uh, it's a world. Your turn to be quiet now. Hubs, who's got the <laughs> nicest Peter Millar jacket? Well, I think y'all are wearing matching shirts today, so I think that's cute. Y'all got your little twins outfits going on. You're you're both in your navy blue Peter Millar quarter zip. So yeah, my, my well, also well New York representation, Wingfoot. Yeah. So there you go. Yeah. Me, I am in the Alexander uh, in the Hamilton did not go to Wingfoot. <laughs> I'm in the Coles collection pullover, if y'all were wondering today. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Josh Heifel. Good. I was gonna say oh yeah, Withrow here. Withrow looks like he is uh uh, yeah, I don't know where he's at. He, yeah, he's not he here. I kicked him out. I've had enough of those guys, guys. There's a coup going on over here. Well, just this me. segment's getting better by the minute then. There you go. I've gotten a lot of positive reviews. <laughs> the show's never been better, actually. Bobby Carpenter felt the same way. Things are really on the up over here. David it's kind of like when Withrow had to miss the uh, tailgate thing, and, and was, was it Bobby coming yeah. in for that in Knoxville? Yeah. Seriously. show was way better with way him. Way better. Yeah, Paul thinks he's getting great reviews. He's not seeing the YouTube chat right now. Oh, YouTube chat <laughs> loves me, I'm sure. Oh my gosh! The chairman of the board has his own ca- camera now. Yeah, what show, is this? Show We're them. moving up. Look at him, and he's got better lighting than I do. Look at that. That's because I you're look like better than bear, you. Do. You're like the mayor of Outkick 360. Oh, he's the more than the mayor. He's the governor. Your, your, your beard is fantastic, there, Mr. Mayor. That means a lot coming from chairman you. Chairman of the board. It's 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 fantastic. You better not be telling us that Josh Heupel's going to Oklahoma and that we have stalled for several minutes about my jacket. Because Austin was so eager to talk about my jacket. What uh, clearly it seems like there is nothing afoot there, and we know that there are strained relations between Hypel and Stoops. But only takes a couple phone calls, as Chad, the guy who used to be on the show, says to to kiss and make up. There nightmare scenario that uh, surely some Vols ha- fans have in the back of their head. Put them at ease. I think I don't think he's going to be Oklahoma's next coach. I, I think he stays at Tennessee. I know there's a lot of talk about the strained relationship. I think what's not talked about is the fact that Josh Heupel likes his setup at Tennessee. Uh, he likes the administration. He likes the alignment with the administration. They've been very good to him. He likes obviously has a comfort level with Danny White. I think Tennessee's continuing to invest in football, and that's not just going to be an extension or more money for Josh Heupel. That's going to be in some other areas in the football program. Um, you know, every Tennessee fan learned, Austin, you never say never because of what Lane, happened with Lane Kiffin. And, and, and there's, a, there's a little bit of a battered syndrome that, that you're waiting for the other shoe to drop. Uh, but, but there's nobody in, in Norman, Oklahoma, that's talking about Josh Heupel. And Josh Heupel's talking about Tennessee all the time, Austin. 
Correct. That's exactly right. And it's kind of like I said on our podcast. Like I don't think anybody from from Oklahoma's called Josh Heupel. And so that would be the equivalent of nobody from ESPN calling me and me saying, guys, I'm not going to ESPN. I'm not going to Fox Sports. I'm sorry, going to Outkick. Sorry about that. I'm not going anywhere. I am staying with VolQuest. My, my biggest thing is the battered ball syndrome comes from not just Lane Kiffin. Lane Kiffin kind of kicked everything off. and th- But then you couple in Tennessee basketball for years was such a doormat. They finally get their guy, Bruce Pearl. He's up on tables in the cafeteria. They're going to deep into tournament runs, into the Elite Eight. And then he has a barbecue and lies to the NCAA and all of a sudden is gone. And, like, it's one thing after another. And you start snowballing from there with little stuff here and there and then a couple of big things, too. So it it, it, it started with Lane, but then it, it just ended with Lane. There was multiple things after that. Well, I mean, you had Tennessee with one of their best basketball seasons and Rick Barnes first with UCLA. There you go. You see? I mean, so it's one of those deals where I get it. Uh, and, and Tennessee fans, some Tennessee fans for sure, are not going to rest easy, Paul, until Oklahoma you know, stands at the podium with somebody. Who that's going to be is going to be interesting. I don't think it's going to be Dabo Sweeney, as, as, <laughs> some, as some have, have thrown rumors out about. Um, I don't know if it's Brent Venables. I don't know why you wouldn't be done there. Is there an NFL guy who's waiting to get, you know, lose his job? I know there's been some Matt Rule stuff thrown out there. Uh, is it, you know, a guy who's playing in a in a championship game th- this weekend? We'll see. What uh, What's the state of the, the bowl predictions for you guys? And uh, tell me a little bit about the machinations, because it seems like um, I, I know everything comes out Sunday, but – you know, in a college football world, it seems like a lot of this stuff would already be decided, at least the first layer or two before then. Um, yet everything's kept quiet if it does operate that way, right? Well, I think the one thing, Austin, we've learned, and, and we learned this firsthand several years ago, you, this, the speculation can get you into some trouble because you just don't know what deals are being done on Sunday afternoon. Yeah, what's you know, what's what's locked now, Hubs? Ain't a lock two days from now. No, I mean they're they're sitting there. The you know the bowl people are sitting there churning the homemade ice cream after church on Sunday afternoon, and who knows what what deals are being done out there and getting taken care of on the on the front porch. I mean Tennessee was set for the Music City Bowl a few years ago, and bam, they're in the Tax Slayer Bowl. I, I think this, Paul. I, I think that Tennessee, or excuse me, the SEC is going to get three teams and a combination of the playoff and New Year's New Year's Six. And that's going to be the combination of Ole Miss, Georgia, Alabama. Okay, I think those three are going to be in those bowls. Then, to me, Austin, the big question is, where does Kentucky go? Because I think that starts the domino effect of who lands where. Yeah, if Kentucky goes to the Citrus Bowl, then that gives Tennessee, I think, a real shot at potentially going to the Outback. Um, And then, you know, where does A&M fall in this line? Because it seems like Arkansas is going to be in Florida somewhere. So where does A&M go? Is A&M in Florida? Or do they fall? You know, I mean, Tennessee could potentially pass up both those schools to go to the Outback if Kentucky is in the Citrus Bowl. So a lot can go on. But, Paul, I'm going to tell you right now, you're from the north, so you may not get this reference. Life was a much better place when on Sunday afternoon you made homemade ice cream out on the front porch and the lady from Mount Pilot called the lady from Mayberry and they tied up the phone all afternoon. Oh, yeah. This is glorious, glorious times. So uh, how much is it about destination – uh, how much is it about opponent? How much is it about money? I, I should have put it in money first because I know the order. 
to a degree. Well, I, I mean, I, I think when you look, schools are going to tell the, the, the bowl people in the conference, hey, here's our three picks. Here's where we would like to go. Okay, this is, these are our preferences, 1A, 1B, 1C, whatever, 1, 2, 3. Um, and, and a lot of that's dictated by destination, in my opinion. I, I think de- for, for the schools, destination and matchup probably supersede anything. I think Austin may completely disagree with me, but that's what I think from the school standpoint, because, you know, you're putting your bowl stuff in, in a, you know, in a hub and you're slicing that pie up a bunch of different ways and, and doling those things out and you got your TV money. I mean, they're getting big checks. So it's not like you're sitting here going, man, I'm going to make a bunch more money if we go to Nashville versus going to the tax slayer bowl or vice versa. So I think for coaches and administrators, destination and matchup, are, are the top two priorities. I agree with Brent. I, you know, I, and, and different people say different things. I think if you ask certain people, destination matters. Well, I think a bunch of the players want a good matchup. I mean, why would you not want to play a Penn State in Nashville, so to speak, versus, you know, uh, Iowa? I mean, and I, and I was had a good year. Well, they were up to as high as two, okay? But it's just not the same. The name value of Penn State versus Tennessee is way juicier than – Iowa, Tennessee, or even Wisconsin, Tennessee. Alante Taylor won't be playing in that bowl game. Um, and I know he's got a foot that needs to heal up. Surprised at all by that? And do you think there'll be others uh, who, who join him on that list? I'm not surprised. You know, I, I don't know how Hubs feels, but, uh, you know, for me – I think there might be one or two more. Um, I, I think you're going to see that across the board, Brent. I mean, you, you look at, you know, the way things trend with bowls now, if, if guys have a little bit of a, you know, if they've kind of gutted through the key part of their season to get their school bowl eligible, kind of like Alante, you know, does, does it really, you know, your lasting image of, of being a ball, you end at kneeling, so to speak. You know, I'm not sure Cade Mays plays in the bowl game just because I'm not sure that ankle is going to be healthy. It may be healthier, but is it worth risking, you know, re-aggravating it and being two months down or, or whatever of being able to train? You know, I, I think there's multiple options there. Paul, you've covered the NFL for a long time. If you're a DB trying to improve your draft stock at the Senior Bowl, you don't go to the Senior Bowl with a bad wheel. No. So um, you got to get well. And, and so I'm not surprised by Alante Taylor um, – you know, doing everything he can to get himself physically in the best shape that he can to show himself off the best way uh, in front of the uh, in front of the NFL folks, and I, I don't blame him. I, I think that you know this is not a guy who who's quote bailing on his team. He's got the injury here in Austin. Said it best. This is a guy who's laid it on the line for Tennessee and stuck through it when he could have bolted and went elsewhere. So I think because so many kids are jumping places the way they have when things get hard. Those who stick around, if they opt out of the bowl game, I, I don't think there's going to be near the criticism for those players uh, across the country that there was a, a few years ago. Austin, let's start with you on on Hooker and Tillman and their potential to return or or to depart. How nervous should people be about about the potential for for them to leave? Particularly Hooker, obviously, who would uh, make or break a lot of things going forward in terms of stability. Well, I think you kind of go both ways here. Depends on how you look at it. You know, I think for a Tennessee fan, they're looking at it as we sat through four years of terrible quarterback play. 
We finally get our guy. Let's hope he returns and has him two years in a row, and then we'll we'll figure out who the next quarterback is after that. You know, whereas you could also look at it as Hendon Hooker wasn't even on your roster 365 days ago. So if we can go get a Hendon Hooker last year, what's stopping us from going in and getting another Hendon Hooker? You know, so I think it's on how you look at it. Um, if I was Tennessee, I would be, you know, hoping upon everything that he's back. I think he's going to be back. Um, I think he's going to explore and get the advice of the NFL, but I, I believe he's going to be back. And if he is back, then I believe Cedric Tillman is back. If he were to leave, I think that gives Tillman some pause. Paul, there's more draft-eligible players this year because of super seniors than any draft ever. So how much does that hurt a player? I mean, like a Cade Mays, wherever he was slated to be drafted at, does he slide a little bit just because there are other guys in this draft at his position? Same thing with anybody. I think quarterbacks are a little bit different, but all the other positions, I think you, you could you know end up sliding a little bit just because there are other draft eligible guys that they weren't that there shouldn't be or not not normally are. I, I want to ask about scouting the transfer portal. How much has this changed what goes on in the quote unquote front office of a college program? Is there a whole nother layer to it now? And and how good do you think Tennessee is at it? How much better do they need to get at it? How much are they going to draw on it? Well, I think it's a great question, and I think it's changing, Paul. And, and right now that's being done by the recruiting offices. And when I spoke earlier about investment things for, for Josh Heupel and, and the alignment that he's got with the administration – I think you'll see this at Tennessee, and I think you'll see this at other places around the country. You'll see a continued investment in the recruiting office because you've got to have more bodies. You know, it's everybody calls the they call the transfer portal college football's version of uh, free agency, right? Um, and it is, but the difference is in the NFL, you know, all year long the guy's going to be a free agent, right? I mean, mo- most guys you, you don't find out a week, <laughs> you know, ten days before trying to make a decision on whether or not you're going to draft a guy or take a free agent. You've got, you've got a calendar that makes sense. You don't have that in college football right now. you got 2,500 players plus in the transfer portal right now. And so what you have to do, Austin, is you got to watch guys that you think you have some interest in as soon as they hit the portal and try to get going and try to do research on that, which is why it's a, it requires more manpower than we've seen in years past. Yeah, because you want to check in and figure out, okay, why is the kid leaving? Does he have any off-the-field problems? Are there any question marks about, you know, anything going on academically, character, all that stuff? And, you know, there are are little boxes you have to check, in my opinion, when when you look at the portal and how you manage it, which is why Tennessee's having to devote a lot of effort to looking at certain guys in the portal. And and Brent's right. You've got to be on top of it, you know, as soon as they hit the portal. In some instances – there's a lot of chatter out there about players before they even hit the portal. So you start hearing the chatter. It's like, okay, he's not in the portal yet, so we can't call him or contact him, but let's do our due diligence here. What, you know, let's watch his high school film. Let's see what he's done in college and start doing everything you can. And then if he hits the portal, boom, you're ahead of the game. If he doesn't hit the portal, then what, what, what are you out? You know, hour or two of investigating a potential guy that goes in the portal. Uh, again, it's something you just have to continue to develop more manpower to and spend a lot of time with. I'm a little concerned about the JUCO quarterback, Desmond Williams. Your story about him at your site, uh, VolQuest, he sounds like a terrific kid and a terrific player. 
Sounds like he's down to UT and is it Mississippi State or Ole Miss? Mississippi State. Mississippi State. Mississippi State. But he played best two out of three, hitting two shots to win behind the arc against Josh Heupel, and he actually lost one of these games. Now, what kind of athlete are we talking about that could lose to Josh Heupel at anything athletic at this stage of Josh Heupel's athletic career? I got nothing. Well, Josh Heupel likes his likes his basketball game a lot. He spoke a lot about his game. I don't think everybody don't likes think their own lined, basketball game a lot, right, Paul, Paul? I don't think they line. I don't think they lined up and and did a lot of one on ones. My guess is probably played. You remember the old game around the world? You sure. know, maybe a game of horse, horse here. Gotcha, I, I, gotcha. Some things like that. I think I think that's what we're looking at more than. Um, Take it out at the top of the key and break my ankles uh, off. The I know, dribble. but you so still I, I can't think, lose. I, well, but shooters sometimes shooters can still shoot. You know mm. what I mean, Paul? All right, if you say so. I'm a little skeptical on that. David Reed well, I, doesn't want. Let, let, let me let me say this. I don't think Josh Heupel said, "Hey, let, let's take it out and see if we can win press man coverage out there on the practice." Oh, field. I understand. Okay. Uh, that I, would I think, that think, would be bad. Is, I think this was, hey, I can make this shot from here. Can you make this shot from here? I want the kid to make that shot from there is what I'm saying. <laughs> you're, you're saying he can't play corner because he missed oh, the jumper, Paul? I'm just wondering. I, I hope you're not scouting anybody out there if that's your judgment on your evaluation. Well, I did I did see one of the uh, female sideline reporters beat beat a couple guys from an SEC school in a, in a shooting contest. So maybe maybe my theory's out the window. David Reed wants to chime in here. I'm going to graciously give him the opportunity. Hey, you're so gracious, Paul. Thank you for allowing me to speak on this uh, on your radio show. Thank it's, you. Uh, you're welcome. Very, um, it's, a also a broadca- it's also a broadcast. It's also a broadcast. So this is something I've been lobbying for for quite some time, and now seeing that the renovations in Neyland, Neyland Stadium are underway, I feel like my back's against the wall and I need to go to someone with some stroke, and now I'm talking about, of course, Hubbers here. So I've been lobbying in vain uh, on Twitter to get Danny White's attention I need a trough urinal before they all disappear out of that stadium. The most practical thing a man can have in his house is a urinal, and I've uh, deposited many a filtered beverage in those troughs over the course of the years. So before those things go away, I need to make sure one of them ends up in my house, and I'm depending on you, uh, Hubs, to, to ma- make that happen And by me. filtered beverage, he means apple juice, I think, because he doesn't drink. <laughs> yeah, a lot, a lot of Coke Zero the last couple of years. <laughs> Where well, would you I, put I a truck? already got them. They're in, they're in his barn out, of, uh, out there at the farm. I'm on my way then. <laughs> yeah, we, we, feed, we, we feed the cows out of them. Yeah, no. Um, <laughs> they, they, the, here's the good news for you, okay? The, they're still in play on the, east, on the east side concourse, which is not being de- demolished at this point. Wait a and second. By, by in play, do you mean he could bring a ranch and some friends? Like well, in play not, for him to look, steal? I, I'm not. I'm not advocating any of that. I will tell you this: there are some fans, uh, and I've spoke to some of them who have a seat, a partial bench or a bench, and some brick out of the west side, which has mm. been demolished this week uh, because the gates have been opened. Some people have uh, slipped in there and, and grabbed them some hundred-year-old bricks or a, a chairback seat that was been in that stadium for a long time. So there's been some things that have been removed by some people. I'm not advocating for that. I'm saying that's happened. I think if you went in and tried to take a urinal, a trough urinal out of the east side, you're probably going to end up in, in cuffs somewhere. So you probably need to continue to 
to t- as Danny White says, text a friend and hope that it gets to Danny White at some point. <laughs> who, who's taking that out of your hands if, if, if you get that out? They're not going to take it. In all seriousness, though, I mean, I, mean, I am serious about that. I want a trough out of Neyland Stadium. But how, did they not think about selling those bricks and those seats to, to raise money uh, for the university? I mean, there were people out. I would pay for a brick, a 100-year-old brick from Neyland Stadium. No, I don't think they did. You know, and, and a lot of those are not intact. I mean, it, I mean, I'm sure things, I'm sure some of that stuff just kind of went to powder when they started demolishing on it. Uh, but no, I, I don't think they, you know, they assigned a crew to say, hey, let's pile up some wood brick, bricks here and see if we can auction them off. I've, I've not heard anything about that. The, the chairs are, per, the chairbacks are pretty nondescript. I mean, they don't have, they got a number on the side of them, Austin, but they don't have a power T. They don't, they don't have anything. They're a pretty nondescript set of four chairs that are attached together. Although they're going to be in somebody's apartment somewhere, and it's going to be a pretty cool thing to have in your furniture, wow. uh, in your man cave somewhere. I heard some hey, of Hubs, those bricks. Hey, Hubs, turn your turn your computer around. Let's see what's over there on that side. <laughs> yeah. I heard some of those bricks actually uh, got mixed in from Butch Jones brick by yeah, brick, brick thing, yeah, oh, and that's oh, why yeah. they didn't want to sell them because they knew some of them weren't weren't hundred year old. Hey, hey, Paul. The, the foundation on Neyland, much more secure than the book bricks that Butch was building with. Excellent work by Austin Price and Brent Hubbs from VolQuest. We always appreciate you, especially when you're so complimentary of my jacket. Thanks, boys. Have an excellent I, weekend. Uh, you, y'all, y'all need to get an OutKick Christmas card made together. I mean, Austin's got his tree and you got matching quarter zips on, so that's pretty impressive. Y'all need to get that done. Georgia winning by double digits for both of you? Yes. Yes, I think I think they will. All right, boys. Thanks a lot. Take care. All right. Appreciate it, Paul. See you, buddy. We will allow Jonathan Hutton and Chad Withrow to rejoin us on their show when we return for finals thoughts about Outkick the Tailgate, the SEC Championship game, and a bit more. You're listening to and or watching Outkick 360 on the Outkick Network. Outkick 360, I know you are crestfallen. We have reached our final segment of the week. We're ready to send you into the weekend. Live from 6th and Peabody, downtown Nashville, I'm Paul Kuharski. Joined by Jonathan Hunton and Chad Withrow in Atlanta, ready for the SEC Championship game tomorrow. I think Georgia is going to destroy Alabama and that you guys are not going to get the classic that I wish you would get because you're going to be in the house. What are you guys feeling less than a day away? Well, uh, spoiler alert, uh, tomorrow, Jill Savage will have this stat uh, for Outkick the Tailgate. Alabama has lost by double digits how many times in the last decade? Lost by double digits? I'm going to say twice. Both, both to Clemson. Hmm. I think they lost by double digits once to Clemson. I'm going to say zero. Three is the answer. <laughs> Three. I just went extreme. And, and the only way I see them losing by double digits tomorrow, guys, is if Georgia's defense scores. Because I, I think this is going to be a really tight football game. I, I think Bryce Young can force the issue. Two solid receivers for Alabama – um, not nearly as uh, the talent level that we've seen in years past, but again, I'm comparing them to Alabama teams. Georgia's defense is excellent, but Alabama has 
played the tougher schedule, like it or not. Now, here, here's the caveat to it, Paul. We and Chad and I were in attendance for this. Texas A&M's defense is the best defense that Alabama has faced, and they failed miserably. Now, they won the game. Uh, A&M did. And Auburn uh, played great defense. Auburn did, too. Uh, A&M won the game late after Alabama came back in the game, um, after being down by multiple scores. Um, but Georgia's a different animal. And I, I wouldn't pick Georgia to lose tomorrow. But I think Alabama plays a lot better than what people expect. It's amazing that in a quarterback matchup that is Stetson Bennett versus Bryce Young, a likely Heisman Trophy winner versus Stetson Bennett, no knock on Stetson Bennett, but that we're saying Georgia has the big advantage in this game. I think it comes down to two things. Can Alabama play good enough defense and apply enough pressure? And I'm not just talking about physical pressure of sacking the quarterback. I'm talking about game pressure. Can they apply actual game pressure on Stetson Bennett? And then how does he respond to that? I think that's a huge question offensively is how will he play when he's got to make pressure pack throws in the second half of a tight game? Because we haven't seen that for Georgia. And the second part of this is, and I mentioned it earlier, can Alabama protect? They could not do it against Auburn. Can they protect enough? It's not going to be perfect. It's never going to be close to 100%, especially against Georgia's defense. But can they protect enough to give Bryce Young enough time to make plays down the field over the top of their defense? If those two things happen, I'm with Hutton. I think it's a very close game. What do I think happens? I think that Georgia wins by double digits. I think this is going to become the fourth time that Alabama loses by double digits in the last decade. Also, the run game for Alabama is going to be tough to find, but how does Bill O'Brien manufacture yards, passing yards even, that – are an extension of the run game. I think that's important here uh, for time of possession purposes and, and everything else that go into this. I I can't wait to see it because Nick Saban as the underdog is something we don't see very often. Uh, and Bill O'Brien's going to need his best performance of the season because he, he's been very shaky up and down as a play caller at Bama this year. Hey, Paul, you mentioned earlier names for Virginia head coaching job. Yep. How about Bill O'Brien Yeah, for Virginia? Mm. Not far away. His best recruit at Penn State, biggest recruit, was Christian Hackenberg, the quarterback from the state of Virginia. So he's recruited that area. Uh, I think Alabama fans have had enough with Bill O'Brien. I don't know where Nick Saban stands on this, but that would be a pretty sweet uh, exit plan for Bill O'Brien and Alabama, where it hasn't really worked out that great this year with him as offensive coordinator if he landed the Virginia. One thing I'm thinking that he's a little gruff for kind of a genteel – place the old south (laughs) the old south (laughs) but you get what i'm saying he's not jeffersonian enough for virginia is what you're saying i i i I kept i catch what you're throwing out there yeah but it is an interesting idea what uh bobby carpenter was saying he thinks baylor's got the best chance of throwing a wrench into things this weekend what do you guys think i agree with bobby i think that baylor's got a great shot i mean the, the line shows that um, they got a great shot of of throwing the, the wrench into it, and I'll I'll add a, another one uh, to that. I think number two on that list. Well, Alabama's right there because they could play their way into the playoff. But I, I'm going to put Houston on that list too, of throwing a, a wrench into this thing uh, against Cincinnati. Houston's good enough to beat Cincinnati. Cincinnati's better. They should win. They should punch their ticket into the playoff. But don't be shocked if uh, the Cougars come up big tomorrow. 
it's not going to be chalk because the college football season has not been anything but that. Yeah, it'd be a surprise. Uh, yeah, there will be. And uh, we're going to preview everything tomorrow for Outkick the Tailgate. Uh, join us if you're coming to the Atlanta area. If you're here, Stats Brew Pub is where we are, Marietta Street, uh, starting tomorrow, 1 o'clock Eastern. Chad, myself, Clay Travis, Jill Savage, we are ready to go for Outkick the Tailgate presented by Farm Folio. Have a great time, tomorrow. boys. Cheers. Yes, be a Enjoy blast. it for Jonathan Moulton, Jacob Swanson, David Reed, Ellie Sylvia, who I asked to buy me this beer and then gave no money. So uh, I'm indebted to the production assistant. We are Outkick 360. We appreciate you watching. Catch up on anything you might have missed this week. Have a big weekend. We appreciate you. Don't block the box. Do lock the lock.